Hello and welcome to episode three. I'm Andy Thomas and this is the One to One podcast. Hello, Jodie. Hello, Andy. Thank you for coming in. So you are from the Little Self Care Club? Correct. Don't need to look at that number. <laughs> Um, thank you for coming in. Thank you for sitting with me. Thank you for having me. No problem. Don't look so scared. It's <laughs> absolutely fine. Um, so what I'd like you to do is just introduce yourself, because obviously I only know you a little bit through meeting you at BNI when you've been a visitor to A to Z. Yep. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, and how we'll get to where we've got to today. Okay, cool. So as you mentioned, I'm Jodie from the Little Self Care Club, and I grew up in Essex. So I was born in Colchester, although I wasn't meant to be. I was meant to be born in... Harwich, but the uh, umbilical cord was wrapped around my neck twice. So emergency to Colchester. We lived near then at the, at the time, my mum and my dad. Um, but my mum and dad split up when I was seven months old. So we went back to Southminster, which is where I then grew up um, and still live. Um, and yeah, so then we moved back there with my nan and my uncle. Um, my we lived there until I was five, and my uncle had a hit-and-run motorbike accident when I was five. Um, and he shattered his hip and pelvis and broke his leg in four places. Um, so he was, like, he's disabled. Um, but he very often attributes, my, like, his getting through it to me, which is obviously oh. a really lovely thing nice. for somebody to say. Um, but I think... I would say that that kind of pushes you into adulthood quite quickly, which obviously at five years old, you're not an adult anywhere near, but you're having to be much more grown up than you perhaps would have been had you had a more of a normal yeah. upbringing. Um, so I would help with like, cause it was, my mum would be out at work. I'd be with my nan and my uncle when I wasn't at school, obviously. Um, and it would be like, can you help? with this can you help dress his leg can you help because he's like got less of a um heel like he hasn't really got a heel right okay leg is two inches shorter he hasn't really got a heel hasn't really got a calf um so the reason i say that is because my uncle basically then became my dad not not in a weird no way. i totally get it. yeah <laughs> so you built that by that yes. young age, you had that father figure, yeah, yeah. which is very similar to me. So, uh, like, I don't know if I remember from the first podcast, like, I don't have a relationship with my dad. That's right, I do remember. Um, and my older brother um, was that sort of replacement, as was my uncle, um, and different father figures that have met through the years, if you like. But yeah. I totally get where you're coming from. So, when you sort of say to people, like, my father figure was my brother, yeah. Again, it's not in a weird way. It's no. just, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not that my, my mum and my <laughs> brother are very strange. <laughs> so I get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do come out from, obviously I do come from the Denji. So there is a little bit of incestuous <laughs> there, but it's, it's, not, uh, <laughs> it's not one of those moments. Um, yeah, so very close with my uncle. Um, very much became my father figure. My mum and stepdad have been together since I was about five-ish as well. So five was kind of a... A time um but i think a lot of people ask me like how are you so happy and whatever all of the time and like like i'm very i'm a very confident person it doesn't phase me going up to somebody and just speaking to them or whatever um and i think that is because my uncle was in a wheelchair and then on crutches and it would be very much like 
well, he calls me Toad rather than Jody. <laughs> um, Toad, go and get us a drink. Toad, go sort this out or whatever. So it would just be a case of from it, sort it, of five, six years you old. You had to I was be just, confident. Yeah. yeah. You had to. So it, like you say in public, just top of a restaurant or whatever, it would be down to you at a young age to have those adult conversations. Exactly that, yeah. So it just rolls yeah. on from there. Yeah, whether it's go and get us a cup of tea or go and get us some ketchup, whatever it is, but you're going to stand in at the edge of a... <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to stop my son from doing that. Because Do he's just like, no, you can't go. Yeah, I'll just go myself, Dad, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't stop him, let him go. But just keep him in eyesight, obviously. <laughs> yeah. So that's, no, so obviously sorry to hear that about your uncle. So obviously that relationship then revolved into like a having a father figure you say yeah so um he was very much my father figure but we kind of did everything together then so I've had um rather an eclectic um selection of hobbies one of which you know about yep <laughs> um but we started remote control car racing um, then we went That's on so cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah and <laughs> like it was really cool <laughs> yeah. um and then air rifle shooting and then shotgun shooting um, and now bowls. Now bowls. Now bowls. And that's where we know, well, we, we didn't we know each other no. essentially, but we know mutual friends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a little bit of Facebook stalking from my part. <laughs> I saw, saw somebody, I was like, how do you know her? Yeah. So, yeah. Then do you enjoy that, the bowls? I love bowls. Yeah. It's the, I think it's the one place where I actually genuinely switch off from everything else. It's brilliant. I, I have to concentrate on what I'm doing. Do you not find, as a young person... Yeah. People just have got it wrong. Oh, they just, they've got it so wrong. It's so stereotyped, oh, isn't it? So stereotyped. Literally, everybody, like the amount of times I've heard, how old are you? 70. It's yeah. like, oh, please go. I always say to people that if you on a bus at 2.30, 3 o'clock, whatever, and you're looking over, I don't know, I don't know why I assign it with a, a double-decker bus, but I seem to <laughs> always do that you can overlook a bowl screen when you're sitting on a bus. Yeah. And then you'll be like, right, that's full of old people. It's an old person's game. But if you rocked up at six o'clock when yeah. competitions are about to start, yeah. like there's not many people over the age of sort of like 55. No. And genuinely, um, so I was part of the the people that I know that you know, yep. that we have in common. Um, I know them via the under 31s. Yep. Um, and I went to play at Leamington in Excellent. 2019, which was like the year after I'd started bowling. Oh, fantastic. Um, and honestly completely changed my opinion because as you know lemmington is like the wembley of bowls right yes yeah i never got a chance to play at lemmington so i I was i was a worthing boy (laughs) um so that was like our mecca we used to call it but i think the women have always been based at lemmington Lemmington, i believe believe so yeah i believe that they we went somewhere different right don't know why we had to be separated Uh (laughs) typical bowls yeah exactly (laughs) But no, so yeah, you played there in 2019. Yeah, and it's like a whole different experience, isn't it? Because when you play like club bowls, which is all I had played until that point, um, it's like, don't walk there. Don't walk at this point. He's on the mat. Don't say anything. Stop. (laughs) And then you go there and it's literally like maracas, people (laughs) shouting and cheering, people moving around all over the place. And you're just like, wow. I hadn't been with my wife, Lauren, very long. And I took her, we got through to the under 25s double rink final. yeah. Well, the semi-final in the morning. It's a very similar setup to to you girls. Yeah. And then the, and she couldn't believe the noise element. It was incredible. And then then I I foolishly took her to an indoor game. She was like, what the hell is is this? this? (laughs) (laughs) She's like, this isn't the same. But even she says, she's like, it's brilliant. People lose their voices. And and when you people think you're talking about bowls, Mm. they're like, Shut up. I mean, it was, and it was 
the best time of my growing up life was on a bowls green by far. And some of my best friends, even to today, come from playing bowls. So Which is incredible when you think about it, isn't it? Because actually a lot of people think you don't start playing bowls until you're post 70. But exactly. some of the girls that I was bowling with, much like yourself by the sound of it, had been bowling since they were like six or something yep. ridiculous. Like they literally knew everyone. And like when you play on your home green, you know like what each rink does, like where you need to be, whether it goes up, whether it goes down, what the line is, etc. They know that for all of the six rinks at Leamington. And they're like, Jodie, don't forget that it goes, like it'll be a bit faster on the way down towards the river is it, is it, and it'll be a bit heavier on the way. And I was like, right, yeah, yeah. Um, but I absolutely loved it. And then I was devastated because obviously 2020 COVID and then um, 2021, what happened in 2021? We, did we get knocked out? Yeah, we got knocked out. So we won the first game and then lost the next game. Did you play at Essex County? Yes. That place is like glass, isn't it? Yes. And that I'd never played on such all a... the men's semi-finals used to be. You'd play all year on something really shit yeah. and then on semi-finals. <laughs> you'd have to go there. Yeah. And and that's when it separated, not being horrible. Yeah, yeah. It, it did separate the quality, essentially. Definitely, yeah. That the better teams, not always, but the better players always seemed to progress to the final. yeah. Because they could adapt very quickly to the weight, to the weight, yeah, the, to the, the line, the pace, and the line. Even yeah. If you played with swingy bowls, you was in big, big trouble. trouble. Yeah, um, um, yeah. Because and my bowls swing quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and I remember I was just like, "What is going on?" And it was the day of the flying ants. You oh know dear. how there's like one day a year with the flying ants. Well, yeah, that was the day. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like. I don't need this right now. We were boiling hot. It was like 30 degrees when when you're in polyester because... <laughs> the it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> because We're really selling this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bowls gear. Well, it's getting better, but... Yeah, you, you don't want to be meeting your love at first sight when you're dressed for bowls, <laughs> let's be honest. No. You know what I mean? There's, there's only... Well, it's got better for men now, but it, when I started, it used to be... Because I was 10. 10. So it's 30, See, I'm old. 30 years ago. I started at 28. That's yeah. old. <laughs> so I was 10. And, and if you had to, there was a protocol. It wasn't relaxed as it is now. Like It was great. You had to come through the clubhouse doors yeah. dressed in grey gray yeah. trousers, shoes, Changing to your shirt, words. tie, and blazer yeah. with the club blade. You wasn't allowed. If you turned up, the captain would pull you to one side and you you would get a bollock. And the good chances you wouldn't be playing the following week. Uh, that slowly, that the, that being horrible, the more up the chain you go, the more relaxed that gets. Because yeah. when you're when you get to a point where you're one of the best players in the club, then that you're getting picked no matter what because they want to win. So yeah. it does get a little bit. But uh, yeah, I remember playing like Group Eight stuff when I was at Walthamstow, um, playing for like the the district of the area that they split Essex up into, and I remember them being like. You, what do you mean you're going on holiday? They drop you from because you've announced you're going on holiday in two games time. Like Mad. it was so strict. Yeah. And now you just people do what they want. Yeah. And then so we had that and it <coughs> was like I was not so that was only my well, technically it would have been my third season, but obviously COVID had happened. Um and then the next season we didn't we couldn't field a team for the second game. So we could do the first game, but we couldn't because they'd clashed the under 31s ladies with the Walker Cup. Yep. 
Um, so then we couldn't field a team for the second game, so we didn't play. And I was absolutely gutted because it was 2022 would have been my last year that I qualified Did for it. under 31s. Um, so, yeah, now I've got to get there on my own right. <laughs> <laughs> you will, you will. We, um, I was actually, uh, we won the under 25s in my last Did year. Did you? Wow. Yeah, it was me and a guy called Simeon Madrick, which is Serena's yes, sister. Yes, Serena's yeah, yeah, uh, brother. sister, brother, even. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, who, which is really weird because I remember her when she must have been about eight or nine. She must have been. So, yeah, to see her as a, a grown woman walking around now, yeah. it's, it's a bit, it makes you feel old. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, we we were both departing. And this is mad. Ed Morris was my lead. Wow. Now look at him. Yeah. <laughs> so I would love to say I taught him everything he knows, yeah. but that's not the case. <laughs> but when you look back now and you think, Jesus Christ. So he'd only just come into the side. Wow. Um, and then to what he's gone on to do. So for context, he now plays in the England team yep. in the Commonwealth, doesn't he? In yes. The Commonwealth Games. And he's not only winning national titles, he's winning them each year. Yeah. Multiple times. Multiple times. <laughs> um, I dread to think how many times he's won the county singles for Essex now yeah. and whatever else. So, yeah, he's he's a machine. He's, un- yeah. he's unbelievable. He absolutely is. And he lives and breathes bowls, doesn't he? He literally works in the yep. county, Essex County Bowls shop. Yep. So <laughs> fair play, <but laughs> mate. He's made a living out of it. So yeah. yeah, no, but yeah, that's uh, that was our last year, and that was that. Oh, gave up pretty much after that, because like you say, got there a few times in the pairs, triples, as in our own right in yeah. the in the senior competitions, but yeah, never got far, far. Me and me and Mark Nolmeyer's lost to. I, I don't know how we lost, but we lost in, I think it was, I don't know, third round or whatever at Worthing. Those games are the ones to, that kill you though, aren't they? To, to, to two old boys. Yeah. And we're just like, what the hell have we just lost to that? But there you go. But so, sorry, we digressed. We do digress. <laughs> so back to you. Yeah. So why, I was t- why did I bring up bowls? You were just oh, saying about hobbies saying and about we went hobbies. off on a rant. Yeah, yeah, we went so, off on a bowls Sorry for rant. that. Um yeah, but I, but you'll be pleased to know I'm much better now. And my uncle, I bowl with my uncle. Oh, fantastic. Which is kind of why I was getting to that point. Um, and this year, well, last season, we won the Chelmsford District Mixed Pairs. And this is the first time I'd heard this expression, but I heard it three times in one day. That was a hell of a scalp for you. And I was like, I'm oh, sorry, I don't know what you're saying. I'm assuming it's good. but <laughs> 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 um, So apparently that means that because we were the underdogs, yep. um, but we actually smashed it. Brilliant. Um, they gave up on the 16th end, which for context, there should have been 21. Good. So, um, yeah. Brilliant. Well so done. it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. We, so we beat the... The competition had only been running six years. They'd been in the final five years and won it three times. So, yeah, yes. it was good for us. Brilliant. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, I, so I always say, I think sometimes it's not... you. In terms of what other people see a competition. Yeah. It's not always that your biggest achievement. I think sometimes like winning something with someone. Yeah. Um, is, it doesn't matter. No. It just means more. Yeah, than, absolutely. Than, than the biggest title you could ever have, but because obviously you've got that relationship. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I love, so. I love bowling with my uncle. Um, like yeah. it's just. We well, play for each other as well. Exactly. Yeah. So. And we know what the other person needs. So, because you get to know your partner really well, don't you? But yep. obviously, like, it's the next level because it's my uncle. Um, so, the pride is even more there. Yeah. I couldn't get a relative to play with me because I'm too argumentative. 
<laughs> Too controlling. Um, yeah, the close. Yeah, I had a couple that were as good as family. But yeah, yeah, I was. I was just like, what's that? That shit. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, like, what's that? Because, but I wouldn't Give say. Give me something to, to work with. But I wouldn't say it to you. I wouldn't say it to you. But that's the really. If, if we played in a, anybody else I played with, I wouldn't say it. But if it was a relative or someone that I felt really? that close with, I'd be like, what? What was that? What was that, that was shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'd argue. <laughs> yeah, I think the difficulty is though, because that sometimes, like, my uncle will say things not not quite like that, but sometimes he'll be like, "Well, you need to be over here," and I'm like, "I know where I need to be. Yeah. It wasn't on purpose. Was my it? hand <laughs> is not working. <laughs> it's not going where I wanted it to go." But the thing I wanted to say about that is, um, like, having that because I'm very much about like a positive mental attitude. Yeah. Um, I guess we're probably switching around a little bit here, which I did kind of warn you. No, happen. no, it's it's fine. Chew. Going. So, <laughs> that's what we want to hear. Going into that final, I had for weeks imagined winning. Yep. And what that would feel like, and holding that cup and having those pictures taken of me and my uncle. Yeah. Um, winning, like having won it, and I think. It's really important. People think that like all of this like manifestation stuff is like woo woo and, and whatever. But your brain doesn't know the difference. No. So there's actually scientific studies of like where um basketball players, for example, have had an injury, they can't actually practice, but they do it mentally. And because your brain doesn't know the difference, it still sees it as a practice. Yeah. So you're not actually losing as much as you would think you would because you're you're actually like thinking about it from a mental yeah. perspective. I, I totally agree with that. And I think that even if people are not prepared to sit there and be like, oh, yeah, I believe in manifestation, I believe in this. Like, I've got to be honest, if, if I sat with some of my friends and started going, oh, yeah, I manifest it, they'd just, I'd, I'd get <laughs> laughed at the pub, they'd get ripped a new one. Like, but I'm not saying necessarily. Like bowls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not necessarily saying that I believe in it, but I think if everyone was honest and asked themselves a question, that I think you can walk in somewhere day. Like again, we keep reverting back to bowls, but I remember I used to be able to rock up. No matter who I was playing, I knew in my mood. Yeah, I won't lose it. Yeah, same. I knew. And so and, and and I went to the green with that, even when I was in the dire situations. I'm like, it's all right, don't matter, because I'm gonna and I was convinced. So in a way, that is manifesting. It is. And and I think people are not prepared to label it no. because they're too cool. Yeah. But it definitely exists. And then I've had other times where I've turned up to anything and be like negatively thinking. And yes. I get I get well beat and I shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've had the negative mindset. Like so, what you were saying with Mark Nolmeyer. Because yeah. you're you especially if you work walk in like super cocky about it or in a bad mood yeah like you say and then we should never have been beaten by them (laughs) yeah old boys absolutely ripped us a new one yeah and I had to sit there and watching the next round of him and his name being called out I think Mark would be able to tell me but I think his name was Albert I'm saying like that he's like well bold Albert I'm like oh for fuck's sake (laughs) but no definitely a mindset is definitely key to anything and I think even even from the struggles that I've had over the last sort of 12 months I think just building that mindset to be like do you know what so I just change off the subject slightly my in terms of mindset like last week I had a bit of a a crap day Mm -hmm. now that would be a day where I'll just find any excuse not to do much that day yeah but because of what's gone on I just push through it yeah and change the mindset to the day and bang and I think that comes back to as well like I say about what you like visualizing what you want to achieve 
Um, there's a lot, it depends on how people phrase it. Some people call it like a mood board or some people, but it's all to do with like the reticular activating system because it's like if you were, they say, don't they, they use the example of, of a car. So if you wanted a particular car, you might not have noticed it for a, at first and then you've decided you want this car and then all of a sudden all you see is this car everywhere because all of a sudden it's in your reticular yeah. activating system easy for me to say <laughs> yeah I'm going to say I'm not going to repeat that <laughs> <laughs> and it ain't going to be the tight weaver <laughs> um, and and then all of a sudden like it's everywhere you see everywhere you go um, but equally the same is true with mood so if you aren't in a very good mood force yourself to smile because by smiling your brain doesn't know the difference between like whether you're actually smiling because you're happy or because you, you just are smiling. Your, your brain doesn't know the difference. So you're almost tricking yourself into happiness. Fabulous. Yeah. It's clever. It's a powerful tool. Mm, definitely. Um, so when people say to me, why do you smile so much? Or you're always smiling. Well, there's a reason for that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing, isn't it? I think it, it's a case of... I think, I don't know what the right wording would be, but you, you, all because you see a smiley face everywhere yeah. it doesn't always mean to say that somebody's necessarily always happy. No, no. Um, and that's 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 the trick, I think, that I found is that I went through all these struggles and I did the smiley face. Yep. And yeah, yeah I'm fine. Yeah, fine. I'm absolutely fine. And mm. then it wasn't until you come out and like you start talking to people that you realise there's a lot of people putting that smile on their face yeah. each morning. Um, and again, hence goes all the way back to the beginning. The podcast starts purely because if we can get somebody to talk and open up and do whatever and say, do you know what? I can help one person by yeah. doing this, then then that's why we do it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, no, it is so true because you did get through days by just smiling. Yeah. That's the point yep. in that sense. And some days, like, you have to have, you have to know what you need on a particular day. And I think that's really important. And what, with the little self-care club, I kind of want to get that message out there is so the little self-care club started purely as products using essential oils that I blend to help with things like anxiety, low mood, sleep, hormones, etc. And that is based on my own use of essential oils when I had depression myself. So in about 2014, um, I was struggling with anxiety and depression. I was in um, a really toxic work environment to the point where um, people would ignore me, barge past me. I even had one person spit at me. Charming. Um, yeah, really lovely. And it was a bloke. What kind of environment, like what kind of trait or what like environment I was, was in the nuclear industry at the time. Okay. So power station. Yeah. Um, and I still to this day don't know what that was all about. Um, all I know is that I had what I thought was a friend yep. who... Um, her dad was apparently terminally ill with lung cancer. My stepdad had had lung cancer. So my uncle was like my father figure, but then my mum and stepdad got together and he also became another father figure for yeah. me. Um, when I was 16, he was diagnosed with lung cancer and um, he's still with us. He ended up, we had chemo, radiotherapy and then had the lung removed. Um he won't like me saying it, but I like to refer to him as Freddie Wang Lung. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and my, because we have to laugh to get through these things sometimes. Exactly. Um, and so when 
so that was when I was like 16, 17. And then my um, friend, this was about when I was 23, 24. Um, she said that her dad was terminally ill. So I then brought out stuff that had happened like seven or eight years earlier to try and help her in some way to understand. Because I think it's it's really... Um, it's really powerful when somebody's able to sit with you and say, I don't know exactly what you're going through, but I do have some understanding. Yeah. So if you do need to talk, feel free to talk. But we're both sitting there for hours, crying our eyes out at various points. Like I was trying to help her. And then, like I say, this whole thing of people barging past me and just outright ignoring me, like to the point where I was like, hi, oh, yeah, you're right. Nothing. Um, and as I say, one person spat at me. Um, and just just a really awful environment to be in. And at the time, I was doing 12-hour shifts, 12 days on, two days off, 12-hour shifts in this place that was like he a living hell. Yeah. Um, and it turns out... So I know the reason, but I don't know what she had said. So she had said something that had meant that these people turned against me, which were like my peers. So there were like a thousand people on site, but there was like a hundred within my company. Yeah. Um, and like nearly all of them had an issue with me all of a sudden, as in the hundred people. Um, and it turns out that she had obviously told me about her dad being terminally ill with cancer, but he wasn't. And he was about to be at her brother's wedding, which there were people from site that were going to be there. So she alienated me so that I wouldn't tell Expose people. Expose her lie. Yeah. Yeah. So to kind of get in there first of like, well, she's a liar. Don't believe anything. Like to discredit me. Like don't believe anything that she's got to say. And so you can imagine going to the same place of work every day, feeling like everybody hates you. You get in a pretty low place. Yeah, it's evil. How long did that last? Like, how long are we talking? Months? Yeah, months, years, to years. be honest. Yeah, yeah. How did you find the strength each day just to um, get through that? Was it financial? Or was it, was it you had no choice to be there? or So... Was it you just thought, I'm not going to have these push me out? Or Yeah, kind of all of those things. So I... in the, It sort of happened just as I was buying my first house at 23 so because I was doing so many hours obviously I wasn't really doing anything to spend any money so I was just saving and um so that kind of all happened then I was obviously under a lot of strain because I ended up with glandular fever and I was wiped out for a month I had to go back and live with my mum they thought I had meningitis like it was like really really bad I couldn't even get myself out of the bath and I couldn't stand long enough to have a shower like I was fucked yeah <laughs> Um, and nobody contacted me to say, are you all right, out of those people. So these are people that I'd been working with for a good couple of years by this point, and all of this had happened. And then I came back after that, um, struggled for several years with chronic fatigue syndrome. But in the May of that year, I went to the doctors and said, like, I I don't know what's I don't know what's going on because I was backwards and forwards after glandular fever anyway because I was having to have like monthly blood tests um, and 
they gave me the questionnaire. I don't know. Did you go to the hospital? Did you go to the doctors when you were struggling? I, yeah, I done mine over the phone. Right. With the doctor. Yeah. Right. So you do the questionnaire, yeah. don't you? And then whatever the score is, yeah. that's how they then establish whether you have or haven't got depression. And yeah. he, he, honestly, it was like a revelation to me. I was like, sorry, I'm not depressed. I didn't. I was like, no, that's not a thing. Because I had for so long plastered a face on it every day to have to just keep going. Because what choice did I have? Mm. I didn't. I didn't have any other choice. Because if I showed weakness to these people, then I was just going to be a carcass on the floor, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. It is that, isn't it? It is that survival instinct yeah. that you think. Yeah. You're not. You're not going to defeat me. And right? I never. I never wanted. So the job that I was doing for me was always a stepping stone. I always wanted to get to the next level. So it was just fighting, fighting, fighting to try and get. I literally told everybody, like, I want to train to be this. I want to train to, to, to do the next step up. And um, I did start to look at different things that I could do. Like, I started looking at um, applying to be a paramedic and, and stuff like that. I just liked helping people. Um, so I thought maybe I could, could do that. And then an opportunity came up to... Um, to train to do that job and that meant leaving that site and going to another one and so then all of a sudden I was able to be more myself because it was different people did the health start to improve yeah yeah, yeah. so just that one fuckwit <laughs> that, yeah that spread a lie yeah 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 has caused all of that Complete strain illness yeah everything yeah just, really, yeah. just to protect their own mm. lie yeah. And who lies about? Well, you can tell what kind. You don't. You dread to think what they. She did say because if she could well, lie about it. someone having cancer, knowing that you were going through. Yeah. What you was with your stepdad. Mm. And I think um, the thing is as well, like obviously, if you relate that back, um, I had obviously had abandonment and rejection issues. Yeah. My mum and dad split up when I was seven months. I barely s then saw my dad. Um, saw him like three or four times a year. Of course, I had. Like yeah, abandonment, like <laughs> yeah. Of course, I had abandonment issues, which then, when everybody else is turning their back on you, and then you're being rejected and feel abandoned again, that's going to be horrendous, right? Yeah. Like, um, there's no, there's no other way of saying that, really. Um, but I tried the I tried the antidepressants. Um, had a breakdown on them. And so I was told to take. So they can do a reverse effect, can't they? So there's some antidepressants. I think in hindsight, with what I kind of believe I know what we were talking about before yep. now, i.e., um, I'm waiting for a diagnosis for ADHD. Okay. Quite often, especially in women, ADHD is misdiagnosed as depression. Right. So then when you give somebody with ADHD an, um, an SSRI, a serotonin reuptake inhibitor um, because that then reduces the amount of dopamine which is the problem in the first place with ADHD you're further reducing that dopamine in the brain you're then causing more of an issue than there was even initially yeah but my doctor explained it to me for antidepressants because I'm not anti antidepressants um, they just weren't for me but my doctor explained it to me that like antidepressants are at the moment you've got a bathtub, the plugs in, the taps running, and the water is overflowing. The antidepressants just give you an extra bit of bath. They like extend the bathtub. 
to allow you to deal with what's going on in the, you know, try and get the plug out and turn the tap down a little bit yep. um, to then like move, move, move forward. Fantastic way of come off putting it. Yeah. yeah, that's that's how it was described to me. And that's actually what sold them to me. Um, took them, was told, because I was obviously very like, oh, I'm not sure about this. Felt really odd on them, um, which, as I say, in hindsight, kind of makes some sense now knowing I have done some research on it. Um, but he said to me, I need to book an appointment in for six weeks' time. If you have any problems whilst on them, you get an emergency appointment for that day. And I was like, right. So I went to work on this particular morning. It was the day before my six-week check-in with my own doctor. And I had a breakdown, like a proper breakdown at work, to the point where my boss was about to go into one, like, properly ripped me a new one um and I was like I can't I, I don't know like I've got nothing literally couldn't even barely talk mm. and then just burst into tears and he was like what is going on what's going on um so then I had to, like well I didn't have to I suppose but I told him what was going on and he was like sort it go do what you need to do so I went to the doctors and the doctor said to me and this was a different doctor and he said to me what's changed in your life in the last six weeks? And I was like, well, not a lot. I still go to work and come home. Not a great deal has changed. There must have been something changed because there's no way that these could have had this effect on you because you're taking a child's dose. And I said, I'm sorry? He was like, you can't possibly be having a breakdown because of the antidepressants. And I was like... Well, what happened today, I could have handled no problem, water off a duck's back six mm -hmm. weeks ago, and I can't now. So you can stuff your fucking tablets. Yeah. And he was like, right. <laughs> I literally <laughs> walked out. And I wouldn't normally talk to somebody in a position of authority like that, but don't tell me what's going on in my own mind, because I yeah. know what's going on in my mind. Um, so I saw my doctor the next day, like the routine, like the check-in appointment. And he couldn't apologise to me more. He was like, I actually can't believe that he said that to you. And I was like, no, neither can I. But I'm not taking them anymore. And that's when I started to look into alternative, more holistic therapies. So one of which being I took um, St John's Wort, which I don't know if you've ever heard of. No, no. Um, so it's it's a like herbal remedy that helps with low mood. So I took that for about three years, I think, in total. Um, and I started using essential oils, and I had essential like had bergamot essential oil on a tissue in my bra, and I had it in there every day. And I would literally, if I was starting to feel a bit overwhelmed or stressed or anxious, I would literally just be like <laughs> sniffing, you, yeah, sniffing gonna, my own bra. Yeah, I'm gonna say, <laughs> I bet that, I bet they look good. <laughs> Like that. Have you seen the new girl that started? <laughs> yeah, she walks around smelling her own bra. <laughs> well, at least it was just, I suppose it could have been a BO check. <laughs> to be fair, it does look more like your armpit, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's when I started using essential oils. Um, and they really helped me. So now I try to help other people with the essential oil blends that I've blended specifically to help with certain ailments. And that's where the little self-care club was started. And now we're sort of moving into how else we can help people with like positive outlook, positive mindset, journaling, meditations, affirmations, that sort of stuff to try and help people 
from a service perspective as well as a yeah. product based. Yeah, because you've obviously built up that experience around, yeah. and it's quite important. The bit I really, I suppose, touch on there is the the, the misdiagnosis in women. Mm. It intrigued me when you said that. Yep. So ADHD is more like you said earlier is assigned naughty boy yeah sort of yeah very much over the top over over energized yeah know, so in terms of what would you encourage any woman that may be in that situation to get checked is there a is there a, a, a sign that you might know other than miss taking I, tablets i mean i can give you because you don't know what goes on to somebody else's head right right certainly. so it's only in the last year or so that i've kind of realized that i think i have adhd and it's because it's been very prevalent in the media so people have been talking about their experiences with it um and i was like oh does everybody's brain not do that then so how i would describe adhd for me personally or what i because i as i say i'm not diagnosed so i am waiting for a diagnosis um but scored very highly on the pre um diagnostic test such that they're obviously referring me um I would describe it as, imagine you're sitting in a coffee shop and there's three conversations, three different conversations going on around you, all of which you are following and know what's going on. There's a radio playing in the background, the coffee machine's going, there's a lorry just pulled up outside and the door's just opened. And that's happening all day, every day, in your brain. Yeah. That's how overwhelming... It is, and hence how I will lose my train of thought and go on a completely different tangent because, because oh, this has happened and that's happened. and yeah, It's interesting. And I think just you explaining it like that, I think there'll be a lot of people that will just prick their ears up a little bit there yeah. and be like, whoa, hold on. So it's quite weird. So I've been to, and it says matter a bit like in terms of the, the connection to what you've just said. I've been to Las Vegas a few times. Mm-hmm. And no matter how many times I've been, there is always a day where I escape to my room because I can't take it. It's too much. I've also been to Vegas. I just, I get to a point where I'm like, if I hear that noise, and like you say, I can hear people cheering. I can hear people talking. I can hear the machines dingling. I can hear the the noise of, it's as if it's all the volume's gone up, like someone just stacking their chips at the poker table, just that clicking noise and that, and it's all magnified. Yep. Um, Sensory overload. I'm just like, I need to go. I need to get out of here. And I need a time yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just always... But it's weird. I And I get that. I, I don't really get it many places. I find it hard to follow conversation if there's another conversation going on around me. Yes, yeah, I, I zone out. Yeah. I zone out and I lift and then I think, oh my God, oh my God, I need to... And I just hope that who I'm talking to at the time is going to say something that I'm going to be like, yep, I'm back in the yeah, room. Back in I, the room. Yeah, exactly I know that. exactly what you're talking about. A back about. in the room moment. Yeah. And so quite often, um, I didn't, I didn't know this was, again, I didn't know this was a thing until I heard somebody else speaking about it, but I can be looking at you and talking to you, but I also know what's going on in that conversation over there. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know why it's not on purpose, but there's times where I've been having conversations with people like fortunately close friends and they're like, you're not listening to me. And I'm like, I actually am because I'm like, because it looks like I'm going and doing something else, but actually I'm more likely to take in what you're saying to me when I'm not looking at you. Yeah, not engaged. Yeah, yeah. like like this conversation, I will be blank and it will come to me probably at 3am. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it it's really weird because I'm, 
I'm so similar, mm. so so similar with, with with things like that. Um, to the point where sometimes I feel really, really guilty. Yeah. That sometimes I think, oh my god, I hope they don't think I wasn't really listening or yeah. Um, and I get it more when I'm watching my son play football, so or more so when he's training. Um, and there'll be another parent there, and who have grown some of them are good friends. Mm-hmm. And they'll be t- talking to me, and I'll just zone out looking. Yeah, because you're hyper focusing, and it it's gone. Mm. Like they're talking away, and then I and I can feel it sometimes where I think there was supposed to be a response from me there, <laughs> <laughs> and I've not given one. And then they just look the other way, and you think, oh shit, yeah, I'm like, so are you sorry. Doing? I feel bad, yeah, I feel a bit guilty, and yeah. Think, but I just can't seem to do. I just get told I'm a man and I can't do two things at no, once. It's not but that. <laughs> but it's, not it's that. definitely, like you say, it's weird how you, you, you explained it like that. Because I think, again, there will be a lot of people that will go, oh shit, I did that. And I think it's good that everyone can have their trigger. They yeah. can always have something to look and doubt for. And I, I live <laughs> in my head a lot, which is probably really good for manifesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like the overwhelm where people say to you, so for anybody that doesn't know, if you don't have ADHD, autism, any of those sorts of things, then you're termed as neurotypical. But if you do have those things, you're termed as neurodivergent. So neurotypical people will say to you, well, you need to do that task, so just do it. And you're like, but you don't understand the whole paralysis around ADHD. Like I'm overwhelmed by that task. Yes, it would take me 10 minutes but I don't know how to start it because there's so much going on in my head that I'm, I don't feel like I can move right now. So when you said about like you had a day where you were feeling really low and you just got on with it, that's like when people say, I've got a really long to-do list. I will look at that to-do list and I will go, nope. Yeah, I can't make lists. No, I so can't. In, so in the last, um, this is literally only in the last 12 months. If I was to make a... So what I do is I make small lists. Yep. Um, some th- with so tasks that you've already done some of, so yep. you can tick them immediately. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, you, you know. Um, but it, a lot of it, to be honest, become... So we had a busy year of 2021 and 2022 in yep. terms of the weddings. And I remember uh, there being a list, a whiteboard in this room where it was just listed. Mm. And in hindsight, we had to have that because we needed to make track of what yeah. date they got married, what, where they are in the queue, yeah. and all this sort of stuff. It was the worst, cruelest lit thing that could have ever been put in here. And I say that was the start of a big problem. Yeah. So now, it's weird, I go back to like putting a little bit on a bit of paper, and it just reminds me of that horrible sensation mm. of over being overwhelmed and not being able to have enough hours in a day or week um, to do those tasks. So but equally, I just make small things. So I'll do three, and if I can get one of three done, then I'm over happy. the moon. And nine times out of ten, I can complete three. But equally, if you don't make a list, then you forget. Forget it all. I, but, uh, do you know what? I don't even know if they listen or they don't, but it, there's there's a mum at the school that i done her wedding, and she needs me to sort something on her album. Every time I bump into her, I see her face, and I'm like, <sighs> I needed to sort that. Yeah. Now, granted... My niece does them, but I need to give tell my niece what she needs to do. Yeah. So that's on me from the off. Yeah. And it's pure and simply, it goes in my head and, goes and out, out my head yep. so quickly. And I was never like that. I used to be able to tell you every bride and groom's name, when they're getting married, what venue they're getting married. Like literally every bit of information. Now, it was like, why won't it stay in there? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know, obviously for you, 
personally, whether that's where you've gone through some trauma as to whether that's caused that or whether that has made you, yeah, maybe more aware because you said yourself that you wonder whether ADHD might be something that you also... Yeah, I'd, I only ever said it since my niece got diagnosed with autism. Yeah. And me and her are like two peas in a pod. <laughs> now, I'm not suggesting for a second that I've got anything. I just know we have huge similarities. My sister um, is a teacher yeah. um, in a special learning school. Yeah. And she always says, oh, you've definitely got it. Like, she'll always <laughs> go on. But, that's my sister. but it's not, if I found out, is it going to change the way I live? Is it going to change anything? probably not so mm -hmm. for me it's not like i even though i've had issues in the last sort of 12 months mm -hmm. it's definitely not something that causes problems in day-to-day -day life right um i've got what kent called as life problems yeah um have i got enough money to get through the next month could work so they're just normal problems being diagnosed with anything isn't going to change no. those problems so i'm not overly and as i say to my niece it's a superpower yeah, because that's how absolutely. I see those. Yeah, and yeah. I think so. For me, the reason I want to know is so that I can learn to manage it better. Yeah, um, and I feel like if I know for certain, um, then there will be someone that can say, right, this is what you do. This is how you can help to manage that. This is how you can help to alleviate um, the struggles that you're having. Because again, for me, I have such big goals that I want to achieve, but I feel like I I don't quite always know how to get there. Um and I don't want I I so some people use diagnoses as a excuse. I'm quite the opposite. I want to know what I'm dealing with so that I can deal with it and move on. Yeah. I'm like you. completely the opposite. Um because I'm also dyslexic and apparently ADHD and dyslexia go like hand in hand, which oh, this, then made this, me even more. I also have dyslexia. So this, <laughs> yes, this is all weighing up. Thank you. <laughs> so sorry. Also, um, I'm not able to, di to diagnose. <laughs> um, but yeah, apparently because of how we use our brains, it's all to do with how you use your brain. I think it, I think like with dyslexia, the reason that what happens is where you should be using your left hemisphere of your brain, you're using the right hemisphere of your brain, which is why certain tasks are more difficult for you. So you're using the wrong side of your brain, but because you're using the wrong side of your brain to do things like reading and stuff like that, it means that you're using the creative side of your brain a hell of a lot more, which is why you're then more creative and why you can see patterns and stuff. So it's definitely a superpower, yeah. but not in like the cattle what's it called cattle market cattle market that is education yeah um that's why you then don't fit so i could um you could write even now you could write 10 words yeah and say eight of them are spelt wrong yeah which one of the which pick them pick the two correct spelt wrong I, I couldn't tell you i could read every single word that you put on there yeah i couldn't tell you which one was spelt right which one was spelt wrong um i can't spot mistakes can you not? No, can't spot typos. Can can't, you not? No, just can't. See, that's quite strange because a lot of people with dyslexia can see patterns. No, I can't, can't, can't spot a spelling mistake. Uh, within spelling reason. Mistake. Yeah, within reason. Um, so, yeah, so like if anyone proof, if I get sent proof, it goes to friends like, and they know who yeah. they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got one, Karen in particular, gets everything yeah. because I know that she's going to do that. Um, I've got through things, technology. Yeah. Predictive text. Yeah. Um, Grammarly, things like that. Yeah. See, for me... Uh, 
Spelling isn't my problem. I don't have a problem with spelling. Um, mostly because my mum, now that we know that I'm dyslexic, I was diagnosed at 24, I had to pay privately. And that all came about because my chiropractor said to me, how's your open university degree going, Jodie? And I was like, it's all right. But when I'm reading, because obviously there was a lot of reading in the textbooks and stuff, I'd be reading it. And then the sentence doesn't make sense because there's this word in it that doesn't fit. So then I have to read it again and then I realise that the word isn't there. And then I read it again and then the sentence makes sense. And he was like, Jodie... I think you've got dyslexia. I was like, why? This was completely like, what? Mm-hmm. Um, he was like, well, because that's what I do and I'm dyslexic. And I was like, fantastic. Okay, so <laughs> how do we go about finding this out? So then I went and had an assessment and stuff. But now that we know that I'm dyslexic, my mum is definitely dyslexic. So my mum was taught in the, well, she was born in the 60s. So she was taught when they were doing something called ITA, which is where they basically had their own letters that meant certain things so it was like very much spell it as you speak it but my mum never was able to then move on to actual proper spelling so my mum for example will spell bruise as instead of like u i she will spell it as b r double o s e because that's how it sounds yeah um and same with pizza my mum spells pizza p-i-t-z-a pizza yeah which is very much how yeah. I would spell. Uh, certainly how much how I read. Yeah. Um, so my... But with dyslexia, people think it's only spelling, but actually what it means is that your... Um, so you have to be... Your IQ isn't able to be used for a dyslexic person because you have peaks and troughs in your ability. So you could be really good. Like, for example, I'm really good at mental arithmetic, but my reading comprehension score is less than I'm like in less than one percent of the population for my general abilities index so IQ can't be used because if you were if you were thick average clever your IQ would be you'd be across the board but when you've got dyslexia you are just peaks and troughs in like what you're good at and what you're not it just makes us unique yeah super superheroes it's interesting it's nice and in a way it's, it's fascinating to listen to because I've never really do you know what? I've ne- never been unemployed. I've come out of school. I knew education wasn't for me. My mum gave me a choice. We had two choices. You go to school or further education or you go to work. Yeah. Like, pick one. You're not sitting in bed. Um, and that was it. I've worked ever since. And other than gaps in between leaving a job and starting a yeah. job, I've touched wood. Never never been unemployed. No. Um, and I'd class myself as a self-employed workaholic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Very much. Um, so it's never been a... It's more been in more of an embarrassment in terms of socialising, where someone might just say to you, "Oh, oh you sent a text and you spelled the word wrong," or write something in a birthday card and spell it wrong. Or mm. it's those sort of things that it's only ever been an issue. Yeah. Um. So it's never really held me back as such. Um. But I think it's quite. I think it gets picked up a little bit more now. Looking at what my son gets given compared yeah. to what I get given at school, I think they can probably detect things. Yes. Very, very early now. They've got a lot of like special educational needs teachers within schools now, haven't they, yeah. as well? I think each classroom has an assistant. I don't think we ever had an assistant oh, all the way through my whole whole school. Only if it was to stop a chair going through a window. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much, yeah. Your school was like mine then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I think there was, we had one child um, that was uh, wheelchaired uh, access and we had, he had a lady with him and that was in our maths lessons, I think, in mm. secondary school. Other than that, we never had no. teacher assistants. No. 
I, I had, I remember in school, so I was in top sets for everything, not a brag, but I was in top top sets for everything and then they put me down a set in English, um, which obviously in hindsight they should have noticed that, well, she's really good at these, like at science and maths, but why is she not good at English? Um, and I remember I was in there for about three weeks in, in the next set down, in like set two, and I went to the teacher and I was like, I understand that I might not be as good as the people in set one, but I'm learning nothing here. So can you do something about that, please? Like, can you put me back up? Even if I'm at the bottom, I don't care, but at least give me a chance to learn because it's not mm. fair. And I think that's another thing about um, like people like us. Um, we love to learn. Mm. So show us something new and shiny. We're on it. Oh, yeah. Like We're picking that up like... No oh, as, one's a, business. As, as an adult now, if I had the money, I know they always say, oh, if only I knew what I know now. Yeah. Yeah, is it? But it's, tr- it's true. Like, if you put me now back in a classroom, I'd, I'd absolutely smash it because I've got an addiction to learning yeah, yeah. stuff. Like, yeah. Especially like, if it's it, of interest. To, yeah, but even now, just like even like this podcast stuff, I've, I've, I know nothing about sound. No. Um, and I'm constantly on YouTube. Oh, look at it. Yeah, I'm but because const- you're interested yeah, in it, right? Constantly just getting into it. Yeah. Photography, just learning. Like, I love learning. I still recently went to the convention, learn again. Yeah. I'll go back next year. I'll, learn. I'll keep learning and allowing myself to learn. Um, I'll never be a person that no. goes, I know everything. When people say, when do you want to retire? Sorry? Yeah. Retire? When I can't breathe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll retire from, like, boring stuff but i'm never retiring from learning yeah never. exactly so back to yourself in terms of the business and yeah. w- what's your goal what's what to anyone listening what could help you go to where you want to take world domination um, <laughs> <laughs> um i just really i can't express enough how much i want to be able to help people um I think there's a lot in being aware of yourself, your behaviours, whether you have patterns, whether there's things you can do to help yourself. Um, I think that's really... I really want to be able to help people have a brighter and more positive outlook because I've done that for myself. So, therefore, as you said earlier, like from an experience point of view I know how I can help people um and then obviously the products help to supplement that yeah and it's good to see it's building that community rather than yeah like a sales based if you like yeah yeah, yeah. definitely no I think that's going to be achievable you can see it in your eyes the determination <laughs> um, and fair play to you because going through what you went through so I appreciate you telling me that can't be easy um I find it mind-boggling to think anybody especially that kind of numbers could be that that cruel yeah um especially because you it's weird because you're not sitting there looking like a person that you think oh i know you should never judge someone but let's be honest you can look at some people and think oh they they look like they could do that Mm, yeah where you you're not that type you can you can see that so yeah thank you for sharing those Strong day I was with us. I wish you all the very best. Thank you for having me. Ah, no problem. Uh, where can people find you? Um, so I'm on every social media as at the Little Self Care Club. Um, you can find me at thelittleselfcareclub.com. Um, and if you do fancy some laughs at my ridiculous nature or some daily inspiration, then 
follow me on TikTok especially because I'm most prevalent on there really. That's everybody's guilty pleasure I is know. a TikTok. <laughs> it's it's the follow the first things I look at in the morning. Yeah, so one of the last things I look at at night. Such a bad <laughs> habit though. Yeah, but did you say, I'm going to go off again on okay, a tangent. Right. We're not the best pair here, are we? Um, did you not see the woman that fell through the window? Oh my God, yeah, I did see the woman that fell through the window. See, without TikTok and social media, we would no, none of us would be living the joy that we're living this week. <laughs> She's been on this morning, I think, as well, hasn't she? She's got her own range of um, like cards, birthday cards, get well soon cards. What, um, on the back of this? On the back of it, there's, there, I see it. Uh, so do I need to fall through a window? Basically, fall through a window. <laughs> fall through a window um, and just have no shame for 30 seconds. But honestly, it's the funny... If you've not seen it, you need to get out there and see it because it's the funniest thing I think I've seen on social media yeah. for years. Years, literally um, years. And when I say I cried, I cried. Yeah. I, it was Same. It was brilliant. I was sitting in the dentist's waiting room and got sent it. And I was literally like... <laughs> I don't know what to do right now. This is just so funny. No, um, it's absolutely brilliant. But yeah, no, I'll make sure we tag all the pages. Thank you. Um, in the description. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's been brilliant, and I'm pleased to see you've got through it all. Thank you. And going strong. And you. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. So actually, before I we do go, I've forgotten, <laughs> and you've rightly reminded me. <laughs> And we need this sponsorship from Greg's. Yeah. <laughs> so you go into Greg's, you can buy three things. What are you buying? So when I normally go to Greg's, I would normally go at breakfast. So I would normally get a bacon roll because their they're buns, baps, whatever you want to call them, are so good, aren't yep. they? Um, Got to have ketchup with it. And I'd normally get a decaf latte because your girl doesn't need any more caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I would probably get something sweet so maybe like a Belgian bun or a cinnamon swirl. Oh, a uh, cinnamon swirl. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I went for lunch. Well, I went for pie mash today, so I made everyone jealous straight nice, away. Nice. Yeah. And then I went to Greg's and we got yum yums. Oh, yum yums. Cookies. Cookies. And a caramel custard donut. Oh, are they good? They're immense. Because I love caramel. Well, the only thing that didn't make it back between this short drive from Basildon to the studio <laughs> was the donut. So that's how good they were. No, he didn't get me one. <laughs> There's a yum yum in the kitchen. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you very Thank much. You. Cheers.